Before we talk about the Lord, let's talk with him. Join me in a prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the beauty of this day and all the treasures it holds. And part of that treasure is opening your word and watching the Holy Spirit take words that are written on a page. And the Holy Spirit then writes them on our hearts and changes us to be more like you. If there would be anything that would hinder that, Lord, I pray that you would remove it. For we've come to see Jesus, to be taught by Jesus, and to leave here a little more like Jesus. And it's with expectant hearts we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we head into the last two months of 2021, there are really three things on the calendar that will take our attention. We know that in a couple of weeks, we will be celebrating uh, Thanksgiving. And when we gather with uh, church family, with family, with friends, as we reflect on Thanksgiving, we, we look back at the way that God has blessed us. And then, at the same time, we look forward knowing that the God who blessed us in the past goes before us in the future. And uh, we are grateful. And then we will uh, also, after Thanksgiving, in fact, thanks the Sunday of Thanksgiving weekend, we begin the season of Advent, that time of prep preparing ourselves for the birth of Jesus Christ and celebrating Christmas. And with Christmas as well, we will look back some 2,000 years to the birth of a child in a stable, one that left heaven's throne to, uh, to reunite uh, us with our heavenly Father. And we will look forward to all the promises that are true in Christ in that relationship with our heavenly Father. We also are in the midst for the next couple weeks of what's called our stewardship season. Um, and in stewardship, like the other two, we look back and we are amazed by the way that God has uh, generously shared resources with this congregation, with us, and the way that they have been invested in the ministries of this church throughout the world. But also, we look forward to what God has for the church in 2022 and 23 and 24 as we plan forward. So each of these three events have kind of uh, two actions. All of those events have a sense where we look backwards with thanksgiving, with the recognition that God has blessed us and has been at work in our lives. But all of these events also cause us to look forward to all the promises that he has for us. So we look back with great appreciation, with thanksgiving, with a sense of being blessed as we take inventory, as we review what God has done. But we look forward through this thing called hope. Now, hope in, in, uh, in our culture is one thing. It's kind of a wish. Like, I hope 
the weather stays nice all the way through Easter and then gets better. That is a wish. But biblical hope is a confident assurance in what will happen. That's the big difference. And each of these things, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and stewardship, we look forward with a confident hope in what God is doing. Now, for stewardship, you, you received in the, uh, the mail this week this idea of a letter looking back and looking forward. And uh, I, I am so hopeful and hope-filled about the future. And, uh, and, and this idea of hope, and we're going to carry this all the way through Christmas, this focus on hope, because if there's anything that our world needs right now, it is hope. These last 18, 20 months um, have been difficult, and many things in our lives are a mess. I, in my lifetime, can't remember a time where things were in such a mess. And I lived through 68 and 69, uh, back in 1968 and 69, because things were crazy back then. But there is a deep discouragement everywhere I go on so many levels, because we're divided against each other in so, so many ways. There is a political divide. There is a social divide. There is a racial divide. There's a medical vaccination divide. There is a mask divide. There is a whose responsibility is it to raise our children divide. And it's oppressive, and it's depressive. And many folks are just walking around absolutely discouraged by the atmosphere now in which we live. So how do you bring hope to such a, a time in the midst of so much division, so much anxiety, so much loneliness. How do you bring hope? Well, God's word has always brought hope, even in the darkest of times. And I think one of the ways that we can gain a perspective in the midst of the difficulties that we face right now is in understanding how God would have us live in the midst of difficulties and where does hope fit in with that. In order to do that, I need to take you to a time about 600 years before the birth of Christ, in one of the most darkest times in the lives of the people of God. And uh, the, the historical context is that the Babylonians under King Nebuchadnezzar, we'll call him Nebi, uh, attacked Jerusalem. And not only did he attack Jerusalem once, but he did it three times. The first time he attacked, um, the Israelites, the people of God, paid a ransom, and Nebi only took the cream of the crop 
of the people into exile. But he came back two other times to take people into exile to punish the people of God. And the last time he destroyed Jerusalem and he destroyed the temple. There's probably not for the people of God a darker time in their history where everything they knew to be good and true was taken away. They were so discouraged. In fact, one of the Psalms, Psalm 137, talks about what it was like to live in the midst of that difficult time. Here's what the writer of Psalm 137 writes. By the waters of Babylon, there we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion, when we remembered Jerusalem, when we remembered our homes, our families. On the willows there, we hung up our lyres. We hung up our harps. We hung up our our, our musical instruments, we put them away. For there, our captor required of us songs, and our tormentors mirth or in laughter, in jest, they said, sing us one of the songs of your homeland that's been destroyed. And then the question, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? How shall we sing the Lord's song when things are difficult, when we're in the midst of a struggle, where the good old days are gone? How do you sing the Lord's song in the midst of hopelessness and frustration and anger and loss? The exile, uprooting families, killing family members, and then uprooting the rest and taking them to a foreign land, destroying Jerusalem, it, it sucked the air right out of their lives. They just wanted to die. Pain, loss, uncertainty. Their world changed in a way they couldn't even fathom would ever happen. They didn't recognize it anymore. And in that culture, not only were things bad, but they were mocked for their faith. So they didn't want to sing anymore. And they hung up their musical instruments and they refused to be happy. Is that what God wanted them to do in that difficult time? All they could do is look at their situation and grieve what they lost, grieved where they were. And in some ways, for some, many, these last 18 months, we face some of those feelings. 
How do we sing a song when it's difficult times? Well, here's what God did. He sent a prophet, one who spoke forth his truth into the situation. It's found in the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 29, verses 4 to 8. Hear God's word. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now you have to pause there for a minute. If you were the people of God, you're going, what? God, you did this? You see, God is sovereign. He's not surprised by anything. And he is in charge, even when things are difficult. So here's what he says to these exiles, his people. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find welfare. And you go, what? You want us to seek the welfare of the people who have put us in bondage. And God says, absolutely, yes. Dwell in their land. But God, do you know how they taunt us, how they torment us, how they make fun of us, how they put us down? And God would say, yes, but I want you as my people in a foreign land to seek their welfare. That's how you're going to get your song back. You'll get your song back when you seek the welfare of the city in which you live. In their welfare, you will find welfare. You will find your welfare. And the second thing I want you to do when times get difficult, Jeremiah 29, verses 12 to 14, then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and bring you back to the place from which I sent you in exile. So the first thing I want you to do is seek, seek the welfare of the community in which I have now placed you. Live an abundant life in the midst of the difficulties and love your neighbors as yourself. And then the second thing I want you to do is seek me because when you seek me with your heart, 
even in the difficulties, you will find me. I will be found by you, and I will bless you. So care for the people and seek my face. Pray to me. Those are the two things when times are difficult that he is saying to the people of God, these are the things you and I are to do. And then comes one of the most treasured verses. And I imagine if I, if I asked over half the room would have this Bible verse somewhere on a plaque in your house or underlined in your Bible, or I could start it and you could finish it. From Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. I am in charge and I am for you. Even when it's difficult, I am for you. I have plans for your future. And I have a hope that you can be confident in for you. Now, we all can stand up and go, oh, thank you, Lord. I love that verse. I love the promise of that verse. And all that it holds. But you might say, well, wait a minute, Jerry. Uh, didn't he kind of make that to the Jewish people some now 2,500 years ago? Wasn't that for them? How dare you claim that? What does that have to do for us? Let me tell you how the Bible, how God uses prophecy. And, and I love the, the, the kind of the logo, the picture for our stewardship. Because how God uses prophecy is, yes, he spoke to those in exile some 2,500 years ago. And they represent the green grass right there. That there's a hope in a future. I've got you. And I've got this. But the way prophecy works, it's also true on the next mountain to come. And it's also true another time in history. And it's also true another time in history. And it's also true another time in history. In fact, it is the promise that in the end, I have your hope and your future secured. And so prophecy is not just for one moment at a time, and it's not for when things are going good and you're on the mountains. Prophecy is also true when you and I find ourselves in the valley between the peaks where it's dark and you can't see and you do struggle. You see, the prophecy was also about the birth of Jesus. I have plans. I have a hope that you can count on that won't come for another 500 years. 
you have a future. It also was true when Jesus rose from the dead on Easter morning. It was also true when he rose into heaven at the ascension. It will also be true when he comes back. And it will be true on the very last day where there's a new heaven and a new earth and the glory of God. We will not need the sun because the glory of God will reveal everything. But maybe here's the hard part of this verse. I want you to not miss this. Jeremiah, verse 29, verse 10. Before you get the promise of 11, he says this. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you. And I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. Then it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a hope in a future. But don't miss when 70 years are completed for Babylon. Why is this difficult? Because back then, a generation was... 40 years. So basically what he's saying is, I will fulfill this promise. You need to be faithful, but this promise will not be fulfilled in your lifetime. In fact, this promise will not be fulfilled in your children's lifetime. It's going to be 70 years this promise will be fulfilled two generations after you are gone. But there's the hope. There's the God who is in charge, who knows the end from the beginning. There's the God that we can put our faith into. This stewardship season, my friends, when you pray and think, what, what is it to the way that God has been generous with me, how I'm going to be a good steward of that generosity and bless others, you may be investing in something that will happen after you are no longer here. Stewardship is trusting God that he's got the future. It's investing in something you and I, some will see in very tangible ways in the next year or two years, but investing. When this church came here in the 60s, they were investing in what was happening today in 2021. Because they knew the God who was God of the future and their hope, their assurance, and that he is in charge and he knows what he's doing. God has a plan and a promise. All we are called to do is be faithful. 
But once again, you might say, Jerry, look, I, I love that verse. But it's also an Old Testament verse. And I'm not Jewish. How do I know that this is for me? Because on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took a loaf of bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this. And when you do it, remember me. And then he said, this cup is a cup. And don't miss this. This cup is the cup of the new covenant. This is a new agreement where all the promises to God's people in the past, there is a new agreement in my blood. The past was the foreshadowing, the sacrifice of lambs, unblemished lamb was a shadow of what was to come. The new covenant in my blood, you can know your hope in your future. You can know the forgiveness of your sins. You can know that God has a plan and he's in charge because he made the new agreement in his blood with his life. And the apostle Paul tells us, as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's coming. We proclaim his promises. We proclaim the future. We proclaim the reality of our hope. In his death, in his resurrection, his ascension, his reign, his return, and the new heaven and the new earth are all the promise of God the people of God. Pray with me. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for these simple elements that hold the truth of a great agreement, a great promise. Promise of our future, a promise of our assurance, hope in your promises and in your word. As we ingest these elements, may we take these promises into our very lives, into our hearts, and may we live faithful lives in the midst of difficulties. We thank you that we share this together as the body of Christ, not only with those gathered here, but with those who will receive this communion this week who are not able to be here, to those who are around the world celebrating this meal as we speak. Lord, we thank you for the assurance of our future, for our forgiveness in Jesus Christ, and the hope that all in the knowledge that all of God's promises are yes in Jesus. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
before you ingest those elements, I would have you. This is a community thing. This is not you and Jesus. I would hope that you could turn to somebody and remind next to you, the body of Christ is broken for you. The blood of Christ is shed for you. And then let us take this together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the promise that you have plans for us, your people, folks who have put their faith in you, plans for welfare and not for evil, plans that give us a future and a hope that we live into today and the rest of our days. And we thank you that you have gifted us to be stewards, even in the midst of difficulties, not only to bless this generation, but generations to come. Oh, Lord, may you find us faithful. We pray these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.